Hello and welcome back. For some of you, this podcast probably looks a little different. I had a bit of an epiphany over winter break about what I wanted to do with it. Just talking for an hour was fun, but I felt like nothing interesting was happening. I don't know. Maybe you feel differently, but this is all to say that I'm changing the course of this podcast. No longer will it be Kale's Whales, although I am still Kale's and I will still be whaling from time to time. Instead, I combine my passion for talking <laughs> with my passion for mythology and introducing and introduce <laughs> we're already off to a great start anyways i want to introduce to you my new baby sick myths my hope is to go through absolutely everything with this podcast from greek and roman mythology to african celtic and norse and literally anything else I want to learn and I want to talk about it with you. And I promise that it won't be boring. So if you'd like to stick around, I'm happy to have you. And welcome to season one, episode one of Sick Myths, Ancient Greek Creation, and the Olympians. You know, I'm always so surprised to find that there are people out there who weren't already obsessed with Greek mythology like I was. I have Percy Jackson to thank for my obsession, but I probably got like way too into it. I remember wanting to learn absolutely everything about it. I got so many books, went to so many websites, did so much research, talked to so many people, and um, I'm pretty sure I've forgotten a good deal of it. But every once in a while, a myth will pop back into my head and I'll be like, ah, hello, there you are, and I have to talk about it. You know, I can't, I was, when I was young, I wanted to learn absolutely everything, and I did and I recited so many facts to my mom to the point where I'm pretty sure she got super annoyed with me and I was like can this kid just shut up but it's fine you know I enjoy talking about those things and so I don't have to annoy my mom anymore or like my friends or my boyfriend I'm gonna talk about it with you guys if you know me in real life you probably know how much I adore Greece and Greek mythology I was actually supposed to go on um, a study abroad trip to Greece summer of 2020 yeah, if you like cringed or something, I completely get it. Um, because I didn't go on that Greece trip, unfortunately. COVID-19 kind of derailed that. And honestly, America's handling so COVID-19 derailed that. But it's fine. It's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> um, while I might be obsessed with ancient Greek mythology, absolutely no one is more obsessed with ancient Greek mythology than the ancient Greeks. I've looked into so many different versions of the Greek mythology creation myths all around the world because not all around the world, in Greece, but on the internet, there's variations and that's because it was all like passed down from generation to generation. So one person in one section of Greece called it by this name, one person in another section of Greece called it by this name. So I couldn't really find anything that was very cohesive like I went to the bookstore yesterday and I was like oh my gosh these books are going to be so helpful and I open it up and it's like um Roman mythology so I was like okay that's not what we're talking about today but anyways I knew of some authors who had kind of condensed Greek mythology into this one thing um and in my opinion the end-all be-all is Hesiod's Theogony you know, like I said, Greek myths were passed down from generation to generation until a guy like Hesiod condensed them into one easy-to-understand reading. 
easy is in quotes, just by the way, because it's not <laughs> super easy to read. Um, he just kind of goes on and on and on about things. I'm like, okay, let's let's focus on one thing, Hesiod. Let's you you started talking about this one guy, and now you're talking about like his wife's children that are not by him. So I'm not going to read Hesiod's entire Theogony to you because of this, um, and also because I'm scared of copyright issues. I don't really know how someone from ancient Greece can copyright claim me, but I'm scared of it. So I'm just going to steer clear of that and I'm um, going to use his writings as a sort of background and sprinkle in my own knowledge. All right. So creation. The Greeks needed a way to explain everything and their way starts off similarly to how humans explain it now. In the beginning, there was nothing. Except this nothing was something, and this something was called chaos. <laughs> chaos was basically this being that encompassed everything. Truly the universe's first non-binary legend. Um, some myths say that chaos birthed Gaia, Tartarus, and Eros. Now, when I say birth, like, this is all just, like, reproduction. Just, there's no need for sexual intercourse a lot of the time for Greek gods. Because they just, they're just like, eh. I'm lonely. I want to have a kid. And so they did. And so chaos birthed Gaia, Tartarus, and Eros. And I'm going to explain those three to you. So Gaia is the earth. She's a goddess, but she's physically the earth. Like the mountains and the plains and the rivers and streams, that's all her. Like we're stepping on her, according to ancient Greek mythology. And then Tartarus, according to Hesiod, is dim in the underground depths. This is a reference to the underworld, and Tartarus is a place in the underworld where the baddest of the bad people go. So, you know, like you were a serial killer in ancient Greece, you went, chances were, in when you went to the underworld, you went to Tartarus. Um, so then their sibling, Eros, is the god of love. He kind of takes a back seat once Aphrodite is born, but he is basically the Greek version of Cupid. God, would it be an episode of my podcast if I didn't burp? Um, anyways, after those three, Chaos then gave birth to Erebus and Nyx. Nyx is the goddess of the night. She's really cool. There isn't much about Erebus, but he basically becomes Nyx's husband because there's nothing Greek gods love more than a little incest. Um, and when I say there isn't much about Erebus... There really isn't. I looked up his Wikipedia page and it said there isn't much about Erebus. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but from those two uh, came Aether and Day. So Aether, I believe, is like the air. But back to Gaia. Because she's where things start to get interesting. She gives birth to Uranus, who is the sky, as well as the mountains, the nymphs, and the sea. She did all of this herself, but eventually she and Uranus sleep together, and then the ocean pops out and is like, hey, guys. After that comes the Titans, who are as follows. Koyos, <laughs> Krios, Hyperion, Yeptos, Theia, Rhea, Themis, Nemesini, um, Phoebe, and Tethys. There are only a few in this list that you really need to care about because there are only a few that the ancient Greeks cared about. Because I tried to look up poor old Koyas and nothing was coming up. Um, after Gaia gave birth to all of those kids, she popped out one more. His name was Kronos and he absolutely hated his dad, but what kid doesn't? I know I do. 
Ernest started to get upset with Guy, though. Every time he slept with her, he hated the children she produced more and more. You know, the Titans, they looked pretty cool. They looked normal, but she then gave birth to the Cyclops, one-eyed giants that were super strong and super scary. And then she gave birth to creatures with 100 hands sticking out of their shoulders and 50 heads. Those are called the Hundred Handers, according to Hesiod. Um, very unique. The, this whole deep creation myth, and he came up with that name. Anyways, these two groups were super strong, and Ernest didn't like how strong they were, so he shoved them back inside of Gaia. Now, obviously, she's sad because she loved her children. Plus, having them shoved back inside of her wasn't a pleasant feeling, so she started to hate Ernest and tried to rally up her children against him, but everyone was so scared, though, because their dad was the literal sky. He was the heavens. I mean, who wouldn't be scared of that, right? Kronos is the answer to that question. He said, you know what, mom? I hate dad. I, I'm going to kill him for you. Actually, he said it like this. You know what, mom? I hate dad. I'm going to kill him for you. And the guy said, cool. And she gave him a scythe to do it. Now, some versions say that Cronus's brothers helped him dismember his father, but Hesiod takes an even more brutal approach, if you can believe it. Cronus completely chops off his father's manhood, which is his penis and balls for anyone wanting a more blunt way of putting it, and they fall into the ocean. So not only has he completely emasculated his father, but now Uranus can't have any more children, and according to the other gods, what was the point of him then? Also, how many times will I pronounce Uranus differently throughout this podcast? We'll see. So his blood landed on Gaia, and from that sprung the Furies, which are the creatures that live to punish people. You go down into the underworld and you were, like I said, a serial killer. They'd mess you up real big time. They'd be like, you thought you did damage to people on Earth. Just see, just see what we do to you. But... Uranus losing his genitals wasn't all bad. They landed in the ocean and were covered in sea foam, and from that sea foam came Aphrodite. So, technically, she's the oldest Olympian. She is the goddess of love and beauty, and I think she's really cool. If you read Percy Jackson, you would know that nearly all the kids in it have godly parents. I used to think mine would be Athena because I like to read, but um, as I grew older, I realized that was only the that was like the only good thing that I could do. Um, I'm not a math person, I'm not a science person, and I forget everything, so I can't really be a history person. Um, so I care a lot more about skincare now. So I like to think that maybe I have a little bit of Aphrodite in me, just like chilling, watching over me. Hey, girl, what's up? Um, I could spend hours listing off the other gods that were born during, like, this in-between period in Greek mythology, and maybe I will another time, but there's so many, and we're just about to get to the good part, and I don't want to veer off like Hesiod does to you, to me, or at least when I was reading it. So, marrying your siblings is something the gods absolutely love to do, obviously, and the Titans were no different. Cronus married his older sister Rhea, and from her came these ch children. A burp. Just kidding. Hestia, <laughs> the goddess of the hearth. Demeter, goddess of the harvest. Hera, goddess of marriage and the life of women. Hades, future god of the underworld. And Poseidon, future god of the sea. As all these kids were born, Cronus realized that he didn't want them to do the exact same thing he had done to his father. 
generational trauma runs deep, you know? So instead of packing the whole family into the golden chariot and having group therapy, he ate them whole. All six of his, oh, all, I can't count, all five of his kids. He gained at least a thousand pounds, probably. Rhea was naturally very sad and horrified at her husband, and her last child was about to pop out. So she begged her own parents to help her out. When Zeus was born, Gaia whisked him off to Crete, where he would be raised, but Kronos still needed his dinner, so Rhea gave him a rock to eat instead of the baby. And since he swallowed them whole, he couldn't tell the difference. One of the other kids in his belly probably got a nasty concussion, though. Hesiod doesn't really go into depth about this next part, so I'm going to have to paraphrase even more so than I'm doing right now. Essentially, Zeus grows up to be big and strong, and it's time for him to give his father some payback. So Rhea makes Kronos drink something absolutely horrible. I think it was like a mixture of vinegar and something else really nasty. Um, And it causes him to vomit up his five other kids, who are now fully grown. So... They're pissed that they were in a stomach for so long, and they join forces with their youngest brother, Zeus, Zeus, <laughs> Zeus, and waged war against Cronus and the other Titans. But, like, the Olympians, although young, were absolutely a force to be reckoned with. They chopped Cronus into tiny, itty-bitty little pieces, and those who fought against them were sent to Tartarus. And now the funny thing about this is Cronus had, like, had a prophecy, I think, that his children were gonna, you know, do, pull the same stunt that he pulled on his father, and that's why he ate them. He didn't want them to, you know, castrate him or chop him up into little pieces, so he decided to eat them, and it just goes to show that, like, what goes around comes around. Karma's always coming for you, and um, sometimes it'll chop your penis off or chop you into tiny little bitty pieces, so once all this is done, The world is settled. There is no more fighting. Everyone is okay. Uh, Zeus and his brothers decide to, like, draw straws to figure out where they'd go. Because they couldn't all live together. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine living with your siblings for, you know, any period of time? I mean, Poseidon and Hades were already in a stomach for so long. They are probably like, I'd never want to see you ever again. Um, So they drew straws. Zeus pulled the big straw, so he got the sky. So he would sit on top of Mount Olympus and roll from the heavens. He's the god of the sky, but um, I wonder if that title came along before or after getting his occupation, because if he was just like the god of lightning and thunder, and then he was tossed down into the underworld, that, that would be a little weird, right? So then Poseidon drew the sea, which was absolutely cool with him. He ruled the oceans and also caused earthquakes, so he was having, like, a grand old time. Excuse me. Another burp. I had Chipotle tonight. Finally. Um, the reason I say finally is because my Chipotle that I go to, my local one, um, I was really excited to get some earlier this week, and they said they were out of chicken and steak and basically everything else I enjoyed. Um, so I was really offended about it, but when I went back today, they had all the things I liked. So I chomped down on my little Chipotle bowl, and it was absolutely delicious. But anyways, back to Greek mythology. (laughs) Poor Hades, though. He drew the underworld. The land of the dead. It's a cool title to be king of the underworld, but he was isolated from the rest of his siblings. Um, and Hades isn't an Olympian like the rest of his family. 
Even his nieces and nephews got to be Olympians instead of him. I don't know. I'm sure the underworld isn't all that bad, but I still feel sort of bad for him. I mean, he's stuck in his father's stomach, and then he pops out, and he's like, wow, the world. Like, I've never seen it before. So amazing. And then his brothers are like, mm, yeah, we're going to need you to move down to the basement. Um, yeah, sorry. We already talked about it, and we're going to have, like, the two upstairs bedrooms, but you need to be down in the basement. And honestly, having a basement room is kind of cooler because you, like, rule over it all the time, but you barely get to see anyone. And that was the thing with Hades. He barely got to see anyone. Um, and so that's why I feel bad for him. And then I also saw something about how because Hades was in his father's tummy for so long, he's infertile. And that makes me sad. There's nothing wrong with being infertile, of course, but I just feel like he always gets the short end of, of the stick. But we'll talk more about Hades in the future. Um, but basically, that is what happened. And then Zeus married Hera, and his other two sisters were like, nope, I am not. I am not going to engage in any sort of relationship with you. And so, they all decided to chill up in Olympus, on Mount Olympus, in their fancy little seats on their fancy little thrones. And him and Hera were the king and queen. And then Poseidon would be there sometimes when he wasn't surfing. And then Hestia would be there and she'd be tending a little fire because that was that's what an hearth is. And then Demeter would be out there just picking picking some things and um, growing stuff and baking bread, I'm assuming. But that is a tale of creation the way the ancient Greeks see it, as well as the forming of some of the Olympians. I'll talk more about how the rest of the gods got to join the club in next week's episode, but um, if there are any specific myths that you're absolutely dying to hear about, follow me on Instagram at sickmyths.podcast and DM me a suggestion or comment a suggestion or tag me in a suggestion. I don't really know, but I'm really excited to get to learn about myths with you guys because I think this is so fun and finally I have a reason to... Um, put my classics minor to use i just got it because it would be fun and i needed it to go to greece but i didn't end up going to greece anyways the world is our oyster people is what i'm trying to say so give me suggestions if you would like to hear anything if there's one greek myth that you're absolutely super excited about um and you want to learn about it and um i'll see you guys next week so thank you for listening and have a happy week okay goodbye love you all oh my gosh goodbye <laughs>